podcast of doublejump.co i'm your host john for the month of june um, a beer is out of the country for a little while on his honeymoon but i'm not alone i'm joined by my co-host kai kai how you doing hello hello it is a pleasure to be here uh, i've been been promoted from occasional guest i'm now co-host <laughs> big upgrade <laughs> I, I will be sending you an invoice with my new my new pay rate. Sure. <laughs> I'll uh, yeah, I look forward to it. <laughs> um yeah, so uh yeah, but I was like I guess big big week for game announcements. It's kinda of weird to have it feel like E three's back in a it's not E three, but it is basically E three. It's like it's a lot more than I think we've seen in the last few years, I think, in one space of time. It's, it's been a while. It's not E3, but all the smaller announcement festivals that were competing are still going. Oh, right. Yeah, there's a few. There's a couple more today because the Grasshoppers one just happened like an hour ago, which I don't think actually had any announcements. It kind of did, but it's... um Yeah, and then um, yeah, there's another one happening. I forget. I've already forgotten. It, I don't know. We'll cover it next week. Um, but it's, it's, it's... Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> just the same amount that you'd get from E3. But it's harder to keep track of because everyone's doing their own thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just I don't know. I think it's like the full mass of it <laughs> was unexpected because <laughs> it feels like several of them were like more important than I've felt like the last couple of years. You know, COVID is the main explanation for that. But it's, I don't know. Just yeah. I, for some reason, I wasn't expecting it. No, but it's it's nice though. The last few years have definitely been underwhelming, and then this one just came out of like a backhand yeah <laughs> um anyway uh yeah but from there uh, i think we'll get started on the news we won't go right into announcements but we have to get it out of the way <laughs> first off is embracer group have announced layoffs and restructuring of the entire company um so this kind of follows both several years of Embracer Group swallowing, like, you know, scooping up like dozens of studios and developers, um, as well as the falling through of a $2 billion partnership, um, I think last month. Um, yes, that was like reported recently. And in seemingly in response to that, the Embracer Group is making an unknown number of layoffs and move away from its quote current heavy investment mode and become a quote highly cash flow generative business so ceo lars wingfor um he says i think it's I'm not sure quite how you pronounce that um, name but uh, lars says that the firm must become a quote more focused self-sufficient company after spending so much time targeting rapid expansion um yeah and it comes a couple not long after the two billion dollar um wait it was it was a deal that was meant to generate $2 billion in income to the company, and now that's fallen through. So in the in response to that, it's not completely clear who will be affected by the cuts yet. Um, Wink4, 
like um, said that the current staff count of 17,000 workers will, quote, be lower by the end of the year, which I find incredibly ominous as a quote. I don't think you could say much more <laughs> with that much impact with more uh, too few words. Um, yeah, so Matthew Kark, um, he's now the, he's the former CEO of Sabre Interactive and now he's the current interim chief operating officer. He said that the first phase of cost saving will be, quote, immediate and noticeable. Also quite ominous, I find. Um, so restructuring part of it, um, separate from the layoffs, well, not separate, but um, we'll see Embracer close or divest some of its studios and terminate or pause some ongoing development projects with, quote, low predicted returns. So it'll re also reduce spending on, like, non-development related things, so less on overhead and other operating expenses, scale down third-party publishing efforts, uh, more emphasis on and more emphasis on internal franchises and securing external funding for large budget titles. Um, also, the other um, another big part of it, which I think we'll see some you know kind of a major consequence of in the following years, restructuring restructuring will also include the creation of a more comprehensive, centralized process for game investment and progress review, rather than what they were apparently doing, which is kind of just giving money out to devs as they ask for it with like without a hugely um scrutin like without a huge amount of scrutiny on um i don't know like i, I don't know <laughs> it's like um yeah like they're not um being as like they're not spending as freely on the development process they're gonna be a bit more um there's gonna be a bit more scrutiny on individual projects as they progress and so on and so forth probably why Part of the, the reason for the restructure, as I understand it, is they're currently over $900 million in debt. Mm. Uh, so yeah, they, are, they are trying to cut down those numbers. Mm. Yeah, because I was thinking, it's like I was a little surprised hearing this news personally. I think just because I had like, but it's like, it's such a natural consequence of an, a conglomerate hoovering up as much of the industry as they can within within such a small time frame so in a way it's like such an obvious consequence of that but for some reason i didn't consider it like i guess because like the end result of what embracer was going for didn't really arrive yet so it's just like oh we're here already they've they've tried to afterpay tomb raider and lord of the rings and haven't right. got paid when they were expected to so now they have to really really sell some things yeah, on that note, um, part of uh, like following the investor call, there was actually um, more quotes from Matthew Kark. He said that Embracer must now exploit the fact that owns Lord of the Rings in quote in a very significant fashion. So the full quote is: "We own Lord of the Rings, and we know we need to be exploiting Lord of the Rings in a very significant fashion and turn that into one of the biggest gaming franchises in the world." And that's obviously something we're going to be doing. So, yeah. So I guess in the future of Embracer is layoffs um bigger projects more third-party funding and way more lord of the rings and hobbit technically um, that's part of the idea i think they've estimated the restructure will go about three years uh, so this will be an ongoing process we're not going to see everything this year mm. but um yeah it does sound like we should expect the layoffs announcement pretty soon though which is unfortunate but um but yeah that's kind of that's how Embrace is going this week, which is a shame. But um, but the rest of the gaming industry 
or not industry necessarily. Well, you know, we'll see. Next, rest of the gaming world yeah. has more to be excited about, yeah. I think. The rest of the news segment is going to be really, really exciting. And with yeah. that, uh, I think obviously the, the big one, uh, now that E3 is gone, has been Summer Games Fest, which announced a huge number of uh, games that are coming out. We'll just rattle through through some of them and then maybe maybe circle back. So first on the list, we've got uh, a reboot of the Prince of Persia uh, franchise with Prince of Persia The Lost Crown. So that's going to be a, uh, coming out January 18th, 2024. Uh, following that, we've got Mortal Kombat 1, which is a bit of a reboot of the franchise. Have some new takes on some of the fun characters. Um, and Cameo Fighters, which is going to be an interesting change. That'll be out September 19. Uh, Sonic Superstars, no release date for this one. That will be a 2D side-scroller with drop-in, drop-out uh, multiplayer. It's fun. We've got Sandland, based on a 2000 manga series by Akira Toriyama. Uh, character and vehicle combat. We've got Throne and Liberty, which is a uh, Amazon-published MMO uh, with player versus player and player versus environment combat where you can transform into animals. Uh, Alan Wake 2 from Remedy, uh, that has released a number of trailers uh, and some, some behind-closed-doors gameplay previews. There's John Carpenter's Toxic Commando, scheduled for 2024. It's a, it's a game that plays like a B-movie. Great. Star Trek Infinite, Fall 2023, Lathranga, The Time Shift Warrior, published by Quantic Dream, no release date, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, early 2024. <laughs> the Day of the Devs Showcase, we've got Beastie Ball from the team behind Chicory and Wandersong, we've got Hyper Lightbreaker uh, from Heart Machine, we've got Simpler Times, which is a nice little slice of life, which I feel like I need because I'm talking very, very fast. The <laughs> re-release of Cart Life, uh, which came out in 2013, Won a whole number of awards, uh, um, sort of died a little bit, and is now back. It's Hellskate, which is a roguelike skateboarding game. I think Tony Hawk is in hell, and also demons are getting him. Cocoon, a puzzle adventure about jumping in and out of orbs with their own little worlds inside them. As Eat Ete, uh, which is an exploration game about using watercolors, um, collecting stamps to use them to create more watercolors. Mars First Logistics is a physics-based game, uh, building rovers to transport cargo. That will be on early access next week in June 22. And Salt Sea Chronicles, which is the next game from Die Gut Fabric, uh, and that's scheduled for 2023. And meanwhile, Devolver has announced uh, Human Fall Flat 2 and Baby Steps. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So that's Uh. Summer Games Fest. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So okay, I'll just run through like my thoughts on some of them. Um, Prince of Persia. I, like, I don't have a strong attachment to that series, but I think it's 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 something kind of oddly sad about it being turned into something so combat centric. It makes sense, but I think that like coming back to it, like being a side scrolling thing, like not being as much of a platformer is kind of a bummer. I think, um, but it looks really nice though, um, and it's great that it's come back at all. I think really. Um, I thought Sonic Superstars looked really cute and nice for a game that, like, I was just very unexpected 
to find that like four player multiplayer setup for Sonic because it's like, oh, this looks like it feels like a game that should have happened a long time ago in a way. Like, I mean, not a you know critical way, just as in I'm surprised that something like that hasn't happened already because they're always trying. I guess because they really want to emphasize 3D stuff, but you know, we'll see. It's hard to know who the fourth player would be in a four player Sonic game. Maybe that's been it, been the hold up. Maybe, maybe he's been around for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the, Sandland, the... what looked a lot nicer. Like, oh, sorry, but it's like the Sandland, like the manga-based one. That one looked a lot more like. There was, it felt like there was a lot more to it because I think they're making a movie of it as well, like a three D anime film. So I don't know why they're suddenly there's like a whole project <laughs> to like bring back Sandland in a major way. Even though I think there's only like twelve chapters or something. Like, there's not much of that series. It's a weird one to suddenly focus a lot on 20 or so years later. But um, that looked neat as well. Um, but sorry, uh, I stopped you. No, no, we, we love a cult comeback story. Yeah. Uh, the, the one that really jumped out to me, surprising no one, uh, is Alan Wake 2, which we've heard a bit of talk uh, as, as previewers and journalists sort of talk about their time. They've played some of the game. Um, we haven't seen what they've played. Mm. I think there's like a, like ten minute B roll around, like it, like it, they've done a they've doing a really strange job of marketing this game already, <laughs> where there's trailers and then there's like ten minute gameplay chunks you can go find, but you're not gonna see them on a showcase. Yeah, well, uh, Andy Robinson from VGC uh, attended one of the previews and has has released his thoughts saying it's. A bit more of a detective game than the first one, um, including a real-time sort of mind palace mechanic where you can have your little clues and red string and tie things together and sort of solve the mystery as you as you play. Um, they've Rem- remedies described it as if Alan Wake One was Twin Peaks, uh, Alan Wake Two is more True Detective, which is a choice i'm on board with it i might i might have enjoyed it if it was just twin peaks season two uh, because i loved twin peaks but i also really liked true detective so we'll see how it goes Mm. i'm on board it is funny how there's been three seasons of true detective and when he's but when that quote happens it's like you you know it's just the first one um but it's like uh god i hope it's just the first one Uh, uh, that's suddenly a lot of thoughts from the second season suddenly in my head <laughs> um, I, i'm very on board with um unwake 2 I'm, I, I like how um much it just isn't a direct sequel to the first one like because I, I always always forget and then suddenly remember but i don't have enough memories of them is like those like two side games that alan wake had because i have them on my steam profile and i'm always kind of like there's like american wasteland and i think there's something else maybe there's like there's been like side stories to this series already. And then there's the control DLC, which I don't think is necessarily essential. But um, anyway, but I guess my point is like I'm glad that Alan Wake Two is such a big departure, and is kind of continuing Remedy's streak of kind of going somewhere else that isn't like exactly what they've done previously necessarily. Remedy has never done what the expected thing, and it's nice to see it continue. Yeah. Also, I'm always on board for games that dive deeper into detective mechanics i feel like that's not common enough 
in games that aren't just point and click or whatever or puzzles or whatever uh but it's yeah i'm very excited to see that one i'll see more of it yeah well we might have to move on to the xbox game showcase (laughs) than linger too long on on that one what did that have in store for us (laughs) um yeah so one is the showcase directly after um summer games first i feel like it this kind kind of dominated the week um at least as it is so far so yeah going through it fast um first was announced um the reboot of fable um this reboot will be from playground games no release date which means it's probably either late 2024 or after considering the rest of the what was announced um it seems to be all in engine I really, I will get into that. Never mind. <laughs> getting into a habit. Um, after that was the announcement of South of Midnight from Compulsion Games, so the team behind Contrast and We Happy Few. Um, the announcement of Star Wars Outlaws, published by Ubisoft and developed by Massive Entertainment, behind the Division series, is um, the first open world Star Wars game, um, which I'm surprised is true, but. I guess it makes sense. Um, the, after that, the announcement of 33 Immortals, a 33-player co-op roguelike action game. Um, this is from Thunder Lotus Games behind Jotun, Sundered, and Spiritfarer. Um, that'll be launching on Game Pass. After that was the release date of Payday 3, um, which will be September 21. After that, Persona 3 Reload. Um, it was accidentally... This game was actually leaked on Instagram gram a few days before but it was um but you know first official look at it um which is launching in early 2024 and launching on game pass day one after that was the first look like gameplay debut of avowed um that game's coming out 2024 it's a lot more colorful and vibrant compared to the original teaser we saw some time ago um and the ceo obsidian uh Fergus urquhart um, he said that Avowed started as Obsidian Skyrim, but pivoted to focus on companions and story. And I think it's been kind of compared more to Outer Wild, Outer Worlds. They're like a title from a couple of years ago, compared to Skyrim, which I think some people, a number of people, thought it might be closer to. After that, the announcement of Legend of um, a Legend of Monkey Island crossover update for Sea of Thieves. So, got a lot of the original voice actors. Um, monthly installments of that crossover will be starting in July 20. After that was the announcement of Flight Simulator 2024, which is, quote, brand new simulator designed to take advantage of the latest technologies in simulation, cloud, machine learning, graphics, and gaming. And also mentions the copy, the press copy also mentions pursue your dream of an aviation career, which I, ma- I imagine means a proper career mode, which I, as I understand it, the last previous game didn't have that. Is something that some like players sort of used third-party software to actually have something like that. So um, yeah, so that's something exciting as well. Um, after that was the announcement of a Dune expansion for the previous already released Flight Simulator. So that's coming out on November third. Um, it will feature the planet of Arrakis and the dragonfly-like Atreides Ornithopter. I got all the hard words to Um after that was a new trailer and release window for Senua's Saga Hellblade 2. That's coming in 2024. The announcement after that was the announcement of Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. So um, this is basically Yakuza 8, in, in other words. 
Um, from the trailer, it seems to be mainly, like, partly set in the U.S., potentially. It's kind of got a different vibe than the series usually does. And that's coming in early 2024. After that was the announcement of Kunitsu Gami Path of the Goddess um, from Capcom, releasing 2024 and launching on Game Pass. After that was a release date, a new trailer and a release date for Forza Motorsport. So October 10, that's that, um, when that game's coming out. After that was the announcement of the Invasion update for Overwatch 2. That's arriving August 10 and will include three quote three action-packed missions that take place in Rio de Janeiro or whatever massive maps with complex objectives like single-player content oh actually I think it has I'm not, I don't quite remember if it's single-player or just they're just um I think they are co-op actually but it, like yeah also just the I think last time we talked about Overwatch we mentioned that this stuff was going away which I think was like a lot of people got caught up in slight misinformation there so they got rid of like the uh, light RPG features that they announced originally, but story stuff is still coming in a bigger way than at least the way I um, I pictured it when we were discussing it. Um, yeah, so there's already details for pricing and stuff there, um, we, but might get into that in a second maybe. After that was the announcement of Persona 5 Tactica, um, a game that was also leaked with Persona 3 um, a few days um, before their showcase. Um, that is a releasing on November 17. Um, after that was the announcement of Jusant, um, Don't Nod's next title, um, behind Life is Strange and several other narrative-heavy games now, and they've, or I think they've got another game coming out very soon as well, um, which is, quote, an action puzzle climbing game um, and a meditative journey to the top of a tall tower. So that's coming out in fall or spring in, in Australia, if you're in Australia. Um, of this year they'll be launching on game pass after that was the announcement of still wakes deep so that's coming in early 2024 it's a horror psychological horror game set on an oil rink oil rig during a destructive storm and also there's a monster um, it's made by the developer of it's made by the developer the chinese room so the team behind d esther amnesia machine for pigs and everybody's gone to the rapture so that's launching on game pass as well the announcement um, after that was Dungeons of Hinterberg. Um, that's coming spring 2024 or in Australia, um, autumn 2024. So, quote, prepare to go on a vacation to a Monday village in the Austrian Alps, but instead of hiking or skiing, you'll be slaying monsters, hunting for loot, and solving puzzles, which actually sold me on the game personally a lot more than the trailer itself did. Um, that is also launching a Game Pass. After that was a release date and trailer for Cyberpunk 2027's um, single expansion, Phantom Liberty. So it's coming, yes, September 26th is coming out. Idris Elba is still in it. That's still a big feature, apparently. Um, there will be a, there's a gameplay debut and release date for Cities Skylines 2. It's coming out October 24, launching on Game Pass. After that was the announcement of Metaphor Refantasio. So this is formally titled publicly project re-fantasy um coming out 2024 and is quote atlas's first ever full-scale fantasy rpg um very much in line with persona and smt in several other ways after that was the announcement of towerborn um this is a 2d side-scrolling beat-em-up rpg thing with four-player co-op it's coming from the team behind banner saga series um stoic um and that's launching a Game Pass as well. And 
finally-ish was the announcement of Clockwork Revolution. So this is very early development, no release date like Fable, um, but that is being developed by Inexile Entertainment behind the Wasteland series and will be, quote, a time-bending steampunk first-person first RPG with a lot of kind of butterfly effect, uh, butterfly effect mechanics. Um, yeah, and then the showcase ended with a 45-minute deep dive into Starfield. There's this new um, very, very big RPG. So we kind of got new details on basically every aspect of the game as we understand it. So just some of it quickly. Character creation has seen a massive overhaul. Um, using face scans for detail and characters you see can be made yourself in the game. So if you see a character, you can probably make it your own character the exact same way. You can select character background, which gives you a backstory and three basic skills. But you can also select three completely optional traits as well, which I think New Vegas did something like that as well. It's not... Anyway, it's... um. After that, was they also showed very detailed ship customization, like so it goes far beyond what I think people were maybe expecting. In the trailer, it actually shows like t like something that resembles a mech, but isn't. It's just a very big spaceship that also goes vertically upwards. Um, but customizing it also kind of affect the interior and stats, and also affect how many crew members you can have. Crew members can also be hired across the game as well in different ways so a spaceport so you can find them on different planets they're all just individual characters in their own right um ship combat they showed off that as well that uses kind of a power allocation system so you know splitting the power of your ship between engines um grav drives for like light jumps like fast travel ish um to weapons and shields uh base building um for outposts Looks very similar to Fallout 4, but kind of, you know, cleaned up. Um, gravity is different on each planet. I think we already kind of knew that, actually. But it's um, whatever weapons you use could actually affect um, your, like, status in the gravity. So if using ballistic weapons in low gravity, it can actually push you backwards. While energy weapons won't. And I don't think it was actually... I'm not sure if it was in the trailer or not. It might have been. But um, the first story expansion is called Shattered Space. So that's kind of confirming that one, there will be story expansions and two, there'll be more than one because it was specifically said first. So um, there was lots in that one, but that's kind of what I noted. <laughs> yeah, there, there absolutely was. And there was a lot of really, really good stuff. Um, sort, of, sort of had that real ebb and flow, at least for me. Uh, obviously, mm. your mileage may vary depending on your taste. Um, Starfield obviously going to be a huge deal still is a huge deal um, I really like the Bioshock vibes of Clockwork Revolution I'm going to be interested to see how closely they stick to that mm. yeah that one looks very cool I like yeah. it I'm, I'm, the way I, they said early development makes me think we're not going to see it again for a long time oh. it was a cool it's a cool look at it though like I, I'm very excited for that one yeah um I think that how similar it is to Bioshock can't be understated. I I did watch watch that one live, and the chat was all, "Is this just a Bioshock remake?" Before the <laughs> the time travel stuff came into it. Mm. Um. Oh. The other one, I'm, oh. I'm. Oh no, go on. Oh, I just want to ask about Starfield, like, because I'm not. I was. I've met, brought it up on the podcast before, but it's like I haven't been 
super impressed by Starfield so far. I'm a lot more impressed after this one. But like, I'm kind of curious what how you're feeling towards that game. Like, are you into Bethesda games much? Um, I not really. Um, mm. I just never can never really get into them. Um, yeah, but this one, this one seems interesting. Might be my my first one that I get properly into. Depends if they if they stick the landing. And it worries me a little bit that they're talking about story expansions before the games come out let's just let's just get starfield yeah. out there get it on shelves <laughs> and then we can look at expanding it yeah i guess that's been delayed a bunch so maybe they've just spent the time on that as well um yeah because like I, i'm kind of what i end up feeling is that like I, i've played a bunch of bethesda games like a lot of people but it's like i keep kind of being brought back to like fallout 4 because i ended up playing a lot of that game at, after a while and i enjoyed my time with it but it, it's such a like uh, uh, it sounds more offensive than I wanted to, but it's like it's like such a junk food game to me. Like Fallout Four is. It's like it feels like it, like I'm I'm very not unattached to it. Like I have more a lot a lot have a lot of nostalgia for Fallout Three, and I think a lot of that is the atmosphere. Like I like how bleak and specific it is, and Fallout Four doesn't feel like that at all. Well, it doesn't replace it with anything, in my mind as well. Like it just feels like this is a broad survival you know post-apocalyptic setting without much and I, I don't personally get much identity from it and i'm kind of getting a similar vibe from starfield to me yeah i do think it might be one of those make your own fun sort of games i'm gonna take the the less diplomatic approach say that i enjoyed my time with fallout 4 that doesn't make it good yeah yeah that's not a bad way to put it it's like i'm not i'm not convinced i'm gonna feel like especially much towards it i feel it feels like a game where it's like i can spend time with it and enjoy myself but that necessarily mean i'm going to like come away like this yeah like like you said like especially positive on it at the end but um yeah anyway there are a lot of other games like i like the um fable teaser a lot like i really like it kind of reminded me like man there's not really many games with this kind of sense of humor and stuff <laughs> and i was like but i was like I, I really yeah i really enjoyed the tone of it um it kind of it definitely felt like um, a Microsoft chance at like a proper Sony style blockbuster, which I think they've had trouble trying to replicate for a while. Um, you know, like very scripted, sort of very pretty, that kind of thing. Yeah, the the big release. If anything is going to be it, it's going to be Fable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm very excited about Payday Three. Uh, I right. I loved Payday Two. I think it's one of those few online multiplayer sort of four-player co-op games that still has a solid learning curve where you can get into right, it okay. even this year and you know pick up and contribute and feel part of that team with players mm. who've been on it for a decade so i hope they keep okay. that up i hope right. are you hoping for anything specific from that one i'm i'm hoping they introduce a functional drill <laughs> if they do that that'll be great right yeah because like in that one i was i was very i was curious about that one because that one's been it was announced forever ago i think or at least people have kind of assumed it's been happening something like that um and now it's like they've kind of re-revealed it and i looked up like the steam page to see it's like oh what's this what's this one doing compared to the last one 
and it looked like the same basic description of the second game and it's not even a bad thing or anything i'm just kind of, i was kind of surprised like oh okay this is us very much doing it again i'm kind of curious how it's going to stack up to the second one overall if it's if it's the second game with maybe a few new features or items and different maps i will be happy right yeah i guess there's not much that it's replaced it since has a i mean as heist games go there's payday and there's nothing right yeah that probably helps what else was there like uh, yeah, everything had like an appeal i think even if nothing like there wasn't um a huge amount that like jumped out at me as like must get like um path of the goddess from capcom that looked like gorgeous visually i'm very curious to see what the actual game is um i think it's more of an adventure action thing like it because i think um the, there was a producer a director there was a quote from someone from capcom saying it was kind of in line with akami in terms of like capcom's legacy so it's um i'm curious what that is gonna be um jusant the climbing game from don't nod i really like the vibe of that one because i've been really really wanting a game similar to that for a long time which is a kind of a somewhat realistic climbing game that where your physics and momentum is a big part of how you like play it and interact with it and I, like i don't think there's much else like that um so it's um i'm very curious to see how that one turns out personally um oh yeah metaphor looked pretty incredible at least aesthetically like from yeah. the persona team um i i'm interested in in metaphor i don't tend to go for that sort of anime style um mm. but atlas hasn't hasn't steered me wrong before um, right <laughs> at least for this uh persona 5 uh tactica look felt a little bit like they're just milking milking their success at this point yeah a little bit i think it's like i was like i was also i i, I don't like the feeling that i had but i was i was a little bummed with the tart style being like all chibi and um simple like simplistic compared to the main games and stuff it's like you know that shouldn't be a game that shouldn't be a reason to dis dismiss a game or anything but it definitely was like oh this does feel like maybe not getting the full uh backing <laughs> of the developers yeah. and such no i had that had that same b team kind of feel yeah like all right so we've got the the a-listers at the studio working on metaphor yeah yeah something like that um i think lastly is like um towerborn like uh, i'm not necessarily crazy excited for that one which is like the beat-em-up fantasy thing um i was i was one like is that it might actually end up being more similar to the castle crushes title from a number of years ago than i kind of realized initially because like oh if it's actually a lot like cross crushes and in like a relatively straightforward fantasy beat em up with rpg mechanics i'd probably be up for that but two it's like the fact that it's made by stoic is very i don't know there's something kind of sad to me about that because like as i understand it banner saga all the games are very good like all three of them but I think especially three didn't sell very well at all. So it felt like Stoic ended up going, it's like, you know, what can we make that's kind of less intense? <laughs> Which maybe for the developer's sake, to be honest, because those games seem really, uh, I wouldn't call it, it doesn't look like the word fun applies to how the experiences of those games, they, they seem very sad um, generally. But it's like, it, it does feel like they went straight the other direction in a way that's like, oh, like it feels like you went too far the in the other direction of making kind of intense, emotionally 
draining games into like the most you know like a very straightforward have fun playing video games sort of title like we'll, we'll see but I, like i was kind of surprised it was from them because it's like it's definitely not what i associate with them but yeah we'll see i guess well, well thank yeah <laughs> um anyway i think that wraps up microsoft there you've now got an announcements from ubisoft forward uh, which was a little bit shorter but still had some had some big hitters in there got the gameplay debut and release date for avatar frontiers of pandora which if your algorithm is anything like mine you've been seeing so many ads for uh, <laughs> so that will be coming out on december 7th um got the announcement of Roller Champions Cross Jet Set Radio crossover uh, for you Jet Set fans. Got the gameplay debut and release date for the Crew Motorfest. That will be out on September 14. Uh, we've had a walkthrough of the next Assassin's Creed game, Assassin's Creed Mirage. And we have a walkthrough for Star Wars Outlaws, which we mentioned a few, a few stories ago. Um, so that will be TPS combat with stealth. Um, it will be speeders, space combat, everything you'd expect from a Star Wars game, except lightsabers, which don't seem to be present at the moment. Uh, and of course, the those open worlds on different planets, which we touched on before. That was that was it from Ubisoft. So, not as yeah, pretty light. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for, for more Jet Set Radio. This is not the Jet Set Radio 2 that I was hoping for, mm. but, you know, oh, cause I'll take That it. team is making the other game, isn't it? I always, I forget the name of it entirely. But oh. <laughs> there is something to look forward to in that arena, but it's like, it's cool to see some love given to that, that property again. Yeah. Well, there's there's been so many spiritual successes and crossovers and kind of semi-sequels, but they've never never just done a Jet Set Radio 2 or made Jet Set Radio playable on modern consoles. Yeah, it's... Yeah, that is a... <laughs> like Sega usually... I don't know. Eventually I'll get to it, I guess. Um, yeah. I, I, like, I, I think, like... Um, yeah, nothing stood out to me other, too much because I wrote the show notes and I kind of put looks like other game next to most of them. <laughs> um, but it's like... Um, yeah, so Avatar looked very Far cry which I think makes sense for that property, to be honest. I think using that kind of format makes a lot of sense. Um, Motorfest looked extremely Forza Horizon, like almost to a fault in my opinion. Because I just played like Forza Horizon three not too long ago, and it's like, wait, this is exactly the same, except it's why. Um, and it's yeah, that's not also not bad, but it did feel a bit shameless as far as um, you know, kind of uh, not clones, but no, I definitely got that. Mm. Um. Assassin's Creed Mirage looked looked interesting in that it seems to be going back to some of the roots, um, going away from some of the RPG elements, um, back to that linear storytelling, classic stealth, uh, but this time in 9th century Baghdad during the Islamic Golden Age. I'm, I'm interested in the thinking behind going back to the series roots when everything mm. I've heard from previous Assassins is that. People loved the RPG elements. They loved that it was branching out from those roots. And Ubisoft yeah. is now now saying, no, we're coming back. We're coming back to the thing that you were all tired of in 2017. 
<laughs> Has it been long enough? Because <laughs> it really is weird. I've seen, I've seen so much enthusiasm for Mirage from, you know, AC fans. I, I, obviously, it's trying to aim at those people. It's like, I'm surprised at how much there is, like, that I've seen I've seen personally, which might just be a bubble anyway. But it's just like, it, it is funny how quickly people got sick of the RPG stuff, apparently. And then, because they're still making more of that. And then with Mirage, it's like, I was thinking when I was watching the walkthrough, it's like, it feels like because of current day Ubisoft and how their productions have had so many troubles and they've just kind of hasn't, they've had trouble getting stuff out compared to usual. It's like Mirage feels like it's being given a lot more focus market marketing wise than I think they originally intended to kind of give it. Like, because it, it reminds me of a, like Assassin's Creed Rogue, you know, that like spinoff of um, Assassin's Creed 4 that with the like Templar guy. That was basically just Assassin's Creed 4 again, but sort of a bit reflavored in some ways. And it's like, it feels like a game that wasn't necessarily meant to be super important, but now has become a much more significant part of their portfolio since they announced it, which is not bad or anything. But it, it, I think part of the reason I was thinking of it is just because, yeah, like it looks so much like the old games, at least my memory of them. And like, it feels like it's... It doesn't feel like a reimagining of those games. It feels like they literally went back and are doing another one with a lot of the same mechanics and feel to it. Yeah, which I think the last few Assassin's Creed games, they haven't done much marketing. They've been quite content to just capitalize on the existing AC fans. They didn't Mm. need any new players. Uh, I think this one... Yeah. I guess going back to linear storytelling and stealth gameplay makes it simpler. It will be a good jumping on point for for people new to the series. So maybe that's what yeah, they're going for. True. But that's that's me speculating. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. It's like these games have become so defined by scale, like Ubisoft tends to go. It's like having something that's kind of more down to earth almost as a title is yeah. So it's kind of refreshing as far as Ubisoft goes. But it's yeah. um I'm curious how it's gonna turn out. And then um the Star Wars Outlaws as well. It's like I've I got a I don't know, it doesn't feel completely <laughs> for some reason I got a very similar vibe to MGS five all of a sudden as I was watching it. It doesn't feel appropriate, but it, like I felt like the walkthrough must have triggered put something in my brain like triggered something in my brain where it's like like i was right of some other walkthrough for mjs5 because i think i watched one of those like a bunch of times you know like it was kind of like stealthing through this place using your weapon a bit but not trying to kill everyone and then just like jumping out the window and getting onto the first vehicle you find and then flying off into like an entirely different open world which i was like i was as i was like processing that like familiarity i was like oh that's right mgs files went to have like five different open worlds as well so it's like there might actually be some similarity there all right you you opened there and i thought what the hell is john on about that's nothing to do with it <laughs> uh you've sold me i'm seeing those mgs5 similarities now just... yeah i'm not sure if i'm i'm still not sure how <laughs> no, how much I'll... kudos to you i get it probably yeah um I, yeah i'm very interested in the scale of it which again is just ubisoft so i should expect something gigantic but i think it's like i think it's kind of rare ish to see like multiple massive open worlds in titles still like i think that's where starfield sort of stands out is that just the massive breadth of it is gonna feel uh 
different <laughs> compared to other titles. And like that's going to be a bigger part of its selling point in a way that not many games can do it nowadays. But I think having Star Wars, Star Wars open world game, meaning multiple open worlds is kind of curious to me. So I'm, I'm kind of, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm optimistic. It, it's kind of nice how much it doesn't look like a Ubisoft game because it's made by Massive instead of their usual Ubisoft teams. So it looks more like Division than it does every other game they make. So it's, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm curious, but we'll see how it goes. It, look, it looked very um, polished <laughs> and like, you know, scripted as a walkthrough. So it's, um have to kind of wait and see what real gameplay actually looks like, I think. We'll have to wait and see seems to be the catchphrase of, of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, after... After that, like just kind of wrap up the news sections is um, the announcements from the Capcom showcase. Also quite light, lighter than Ubisoft's actually. Um, so first with the announcement of Mega Man Cross Dive Offline. So this is an offline version of the free-to-play game um, that I think is soon shutting down in Japan actually. But it's the um, so it'll be available on PC, Android, and iOS coming this year at some point. Um, I've heard really good things about that game, actually, so I, I think it's cool they're doing that. Um, after that was the gameplay debut and release date, technically, of Pragmata. Um, game announced several years ago, new release date of question mark, as in it's been delayed indefinitely. Um, and it seems to be a sci-fi third-person shooter, because we didn't actually know any details about it at all yet. Um, after that... Was the announcement of Apollo Justice Ace Attorney Trilogy. So this will include high def remasters of Apollo Justice Ace Attorney, Ace Attorney Dual Destinies, and Ace Attorney Spirit of Justice. That's coming early next year. And then it wrapped up with a presentation, kinda, of Dragon's Dogma 2. So this is a kind of a strange way to do a presentation where I think most of it was footage from the previous trailer from the other week or wherever that was um so it'll be but it had like kind of new details from the director hideki hideki insuno um he was kind of providing commentary over trailer footage basically but he kind of mentions a few things which is that um porn ai so they're kind of like the side characters you can create or hire as like in, as in the single player title um ai for them has been improved the map size is four times the original about four times the original Size the original Grantus from the first Dragon's Dogma. There's a focus on immersive physics for interesting gameplay possibilities. So it's like you see that in trailer with breaking a bridge to cause a monster to fall or creating a bridge, stuff like that. Um, yeah, the key art kind of highlights two main characters, so Ulrika and Nadinia. I don't think there's too much to know there yet. And he also confirmed that there will be new vocations, which in other games be known as jobs or classes that you can kind of pick up skills and actions from um and that's that's all of capcom's thing it was very light after a lot of huge sort of announcement uh festivals we'll say capcom was was good to have just you know two or three some that maybe have their cult followings but don't have the huge numbers as like a cool down for the weekend yeah, like, cool yeah, that's a good way for it. Let's wind it down a little bit. We'll all just relax and look some dragons dog boss. I feel like that was that was needed. 
I like yeah. how it's like it's such a cooldown that it's not even new footage of Dragon's Dogma. <laughs> it's old footage with talking. Yeah. Um, well, but even that's kind of you know even that's exciting personally. Yeah. I mean, by by the end of the last few days, I have not had the brain capacity to take on new information. So just repeats of stuff we already know has been phenomenal. Yeah. Cool. Love it. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, but uh, that's kind of the week as it was, I think, for um, in terms of like showcase announcements and stuff. Um, was there anything else you wanted to like highlight a bit? I mean, worth highlighting that these announcements are still going on. Uh, the right, <laughs> the busy news period is very much still happening, and there will be more. And we'll, I'm sure, we'll have stuff to say next week about. Some surprise release or announcement. Uh, mm. Honestly, yeah, because on go on. Oh no, I was just gonna say it's like Gamatsu has like a very nice like schedule for events. So it's like Yakuza Studio has got one soon. There's gonna be a pre-launch thing for Final Fantasy 16. I'm not sure if that's gonna have anything there, but um, Eternum Games is gonna have a showcase. Eternum, yeah, Eternum, yeah, and. Um, there's going to be an announcement special for Metaphor, <laughs> Annapurna Interactive Showcase. I think that's it, actually. But a little bit left, yeah. King, king for that. I think this has been a, a huge year. The last few, as, as we were saying before, have felt a bit underwhelming. Um, like the last, the last one I can really remember being hyped for, but there were a lot of announcements was 2017. Um, and then following yeah, that, like that's been like that. <laughs> yeah, everything sl- slowed right down. And then this year, I feel like it's just hit after hit uh, right into my veins, which I told myself I, I wouldn't get hyped because I've been burnt too many times before. But there's there's the atmosphere. It's infectious. It gets you. Yeah, definitely. It's like it's nice to have so many games where it's like oh yeah i'll play that which i think is like i, I think i've kind of uh, i don't know i probably underestimate how often i'm interested in games even if i never actually play them but it's um a lot of them were like i guess like if anything they had like a lot of them had good showcases that drew my interest in a way that was better than other years maybe it's like i just found myself like curious and excited more or less like you know one or the other maybe um for so many of the games this year which is like i don't know yeah it's like i haven't had that feeling for a while or it's just like like yeah excitement i guess is the word i fully expect some of these games are going to sit on my wish list for you know three or four years after they've come out and be like oh i really need to play that at some point i remember being really excited about it and i'll never do it or really the worst case scenario for me i will buy them at full price and then they'll sit there for three years until i touch them that's gonna be the life of my tears tears of the kingdom copy apparently because i still haven't touched it um and several other games um yeah no it's yeah you're totally right <laughs> but it's um i don't know it's like a lot like uh it's it kind of it's funny to see like e3 ish you know not e3 come back in full force ish because like we had like sony's as well the other week and like um it kind of feel feels like it's it felt like it aligned with the all this the spring up of like indie focused showcases as well, because we're like we had um 
Day of the Devs, which we kind of ran through. But there's like, there was a few like indie focused ones. There was like the Wholesome Stream, and there was like four or five others, which we didn't cover. And they all had like really cool stuff. Like indie stuff, like there's like such a like strong desire. Like, um, what's the word? Like, there's, um, like a lot of those indie trailers and presentations, like there's kind of the awareness that this is our one shot to try and get people on board. And they always do such a great job of it, I think. Like it, it, it doesn't feel, um, I don't know. Like I, I end up coming away from those showcases because I, I need to go back and watch a few of them. But um, I am excited for Beat know, People, I'm, which I, I missed during the showcase. Um, I must have been doing something else and didn't realize it happened. And then a few days, a few days later, uh, you know, popped up in my YouTube recommendations, little volleyball RPG game with Pokemon that for legal reasons are not. And, and you know what? I'm on board. Hmm. It's nice to have one of those monster collecting games somehow include action combat without, or not combat, action gameplay without, um, being like kind of a analogy for cockfighting, <laughs> that's always good. <laughs> I mean, there there was essentially just Pokemon with guns. Uh, that's going to be Power World. Uh, oh, I don't remember that one. <laughs> well, it's exactly Pokemon, but now uh, God of War has a minigun. And <laughs> honestly, Nintendo's lawyers are about to have the best day of their life. Oh, well... <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> um, I like the look of Cocoon a lot. It's like yeah. a puzzle game from um, game the Jep Carlson. is the gameplay designer of Limbo and Inside. It's like the one where you pick up world, pick up orbs, and then you can kind of have each each orb has like worlds in them. Um, that one looked really clever. <laughs> like it looked like a really satisfying puzzle game. I'm trying to find more of those personally because I don't play enough of them. Um, there was Mars First Logistics. Where you're like you're transporting cargo over Mars, um, that one looks really neat because it's like it's not just about transporting cargo; it's about building your own rover within its physics engine in a way that like however you want to just yeah move cargo around. And it look, looks really fun from what they showed of it. Yeah, um, and I can actually, I can actually play that soon, unlike the rest of the showcase announcements, because that's coming out really soon. Yeah, no, lots lots to be excited for. To varying degrees, whether that be hmm. it's coming out in a week, now's the time to really get amped up, or maybe more of a slow burn. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's gonna do it for the news this week. Um, I will take a short break and come back for a short chit chat. I think. Yeah. Aside from watching all these hours of game trailers and commercials, um, I haven't actually been playing too much, but I did play the brand new season of Fortnite. So this is, let's put it into technical terms, chapter four, season three, and the subtitle for it is Wilds. So it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's kind of straightforward, but it's like, it's basically replaced. So each season so far, well, there's only been two other anyway the last season replaced the big chunk of the map with sort of a tokyo uh, japan inspired sci-fi inspired map 
Um, in hindsight, the last season was pretty disappointing because they didn't actually add much mechanically to it. It was sort of like a hodgepodge of different ideas that didn't really coalesce into something that interesting. And the new portion of the map ended up being sort of rejected, I think, by most players because most people just didn't go there anymore. If they could, um, just because there's not much there for some reason. Like, I don't, I'm not, it's kind of curious the way they approach that part of the map. But this new part of this new season, it's kind of replaced the whole center with this sort of, um, this like jungle themed, like uh, chunk of the map with ruins and just like a lot more like wooden structures, which was rarer otherwise. Um, it's also like literally like lower than the rest of the map. Like it's like a pit in the map. So it like, it actually changes up a little bit because the way Fortnite goes usually, you know, you're flying across in like a bus and you dr you're dropping out of the bus to um, go wherever you plan to. But because it's like lower and there's also tons of like really high trees, you need to actually approach it a little differently if you're going straight to the center, which is, um, I don't know, it's like a small change, but there's been lots of like little changes in this season immediately, like instantly, which is like been, so there's like mud they can use that like makes you faster if you slide in it. There's like there's new weapons which I'm enjoying a lot more than previous season. Um, there's been like tweaks of a lot of the mechanics. There's been a few of these like kind of um, these what do you call it? There's these like mid-match um, appearances or or just like mechanics throughout. Like every every match will have these combat caches which are like just sort of things you can. Um, they're what they sound like. They're basically just like a bundle of equipment and weapons and stuff of varying rarity, but they'll just pop up randomly on the map and you have to like charge it and then you have to wait for it to open and other players around are aware of it so it can draw people to, to you. There's also another similar thing of a floating island um, in the sky that pops up like two thirds of the way through a match that has like especially good equipment, but also draws way more players than usual. Um, not, but they've like the, basically they've kept those mechanics in from previous season, so it's ends up like as the season is currently right at the beginning, it's actually very exciting, which I'm um, I don't know, just very happy about basically. Like I barely played it honestly, but it's um, it's like there's a lot to be excited about. It's like oh yeah, like, in hindsight, season two was pr kind of a bummer, which is um, yeah. I'm very glad to hear season three is going better. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's not. I don't know it always like when I start talking about it more, it's just like, oh, that's right. This is the result of endless crunch from Epic, which feels bad. But it's like I don't know they're doing, <laughs> they're making something good with it. <laughs> right, right in with the with the bummer note right at the end. Yeah, uh, very on brand for me, I think. Um, <laughs> But it's uh, oh, otherwise, I don't know I don't have too much to say about it. I'm very excited for Fortnite. I think it's it's doing a good job with this new season, which I think it's kind of incredible how well it's been able to refresh things with like major updates and changes for a live service game. You know, rather than I'm not sure I'm, I don't know each live service game operates the same way, but it's interesting how radical the changes can feel for something like Fortnite, which has been going on for years. Yeah, I am not super into Fortnite. I don't play much of it. Um, but every time I've, I've seen anything from it, it looks like an entirely different game. 
Yeah, it's like uh, it's surprising how much change they can yeah. put to it. Yeah. Which which I think is is good for a live service game. You don't want it to get stale. Mm. So it's um it's like the only one I actually play. Like I like I tried Apex for a second and it was like so overwhelming. <laughs> I found um at least current version it might have been a bit easier to handle back in the day. Um, there's a few others as well, but I won't get into that now. But it's um yeah that's that's basically been what I've been doing this week between watching trailers for things companies want me to buy and um yeah not too much on my part yeah unfortunately i i have done nothing uh beyond <laughs> watching watching trailers and thinking about capitalism so i have nothing to nothing to share with chit chat <laughs> so thank you for bringing in fortnite yeah uh yeah i mentioned a second ago it's like i also have been like i started reading transformers comics actually i can get into it for a second <laughs> not long though that's like i started reading there's this Transformers series from like a decade ago called more than meets the eye and it's like it's very well regarded and i've read like half of it but i've read it that half like twice <laughs> and every time I, I get up to a point in the series where i, I like accidentally drop it but it's also like it's really it's very good at at like numerous things because it's set after the the you know main decepticon autobot war and it's it follows like a a handful of like sort of semi-main characters and supporting characters they get on a ship and like hunt for like the origins of the transformers race like across the galaxy and it's mostly just kind of a slice of life thing but it ends up getting increasingly plotty and sci-fi focused as the series progresses but that kind of comes, it becomes increasingly complex to remember a lot of the things going on over time because just there's so, so much that changes in certain ways. So it's like by the time you get up to like, so I got up to like volume eight or something a few years ago when I was reading it and then I accidentally dropped it. And now that it's like, it's been long enough where it's like, I don't remember nearly enough to be able to just jump back in wherever I was. So it's like, now I'm on my third read of this series to make sure i actually try and get to the end of it so it's um that's also been happening this week but i barely started so there's not much to go into yet but it's um anyway yeah so not to not to extend this podcast too no, much no. but it's um fun little foreshadowing for next week foreshadowing want, that's a good word for want it want a book report <laughs> on on the transformers coming Um, I think that's it for this episode of Double Jump Radio. Um, head over to doublejump.co to find our latest articles, links to our social media, and our brand new Discord server. Check that out if you haven't already. Um, Kai, thanks for joining me today. Always, always a pleasure. And listeners, tell us what you were what you were keen for from the many many announcements. Yeah, we do, definitely. We do like to hear from you guys. <laughs> Our, our, we might not give it away very often but we do <laughs> um especially in discord that, that's a good place for it otherwise email us which is um somewhere i don't have it in our notes right now oh it's at podcast at doublejump.co <laughs> i'm reading two things um yeah but anyway until next time oh sorry <laughs> well, well I'll, I'll look forward to to hearing these emails and discord chats yep <laughs> um 
yeah so that's going to do it for this episode um, and until next time look out for another peace